Well, welcome back to another week of Scriptures Revealed, and we are continuing our journey through the book of Ephesians. It has been a wonderful ride thus far. We have unlocked some incredible truths, and I thank all of you for sharing with me how the Word of God is blessing you. I went on a tangent last week sharing with you my heart's joy, my heart's delight, and how I am so encouraged to know how the Word of God is blessing each and every one of you, and I am still extremely grateful extremely honored, extremely humbled uh, that God would use me to bring the light of his word and to cause illumination to come into the minds and hearts of his people. It is my delight. So I am excited about it. I want to remind you that if you're listening to this podcast, please do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. Don't forget to share it. Don't forget to leave your reviews and don't forget to talk about what you learned this week. Talk about it on social media. I go and look at everybody's posts that tags me on Facebook and Instagram. When it comes to scriptures revealed, I go through, I look, I I am encouraged, I'm blessed by it. And I know that the word of God is changing lives. So I absolutely appreciate it. And I am extremely grateful for that. So thank all of you for joining me on this journey. It's about 150 of us at this point, and I am honored and grateful and just privileged to be used of God to do this. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I've told you guys to be looking out for some great information coming. I want to give you, my podcast audience, the first announcement coming to you is that I have a brand new book that is getting ready to be released. I am so, 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 so excited about it. It It's going to be my first printed book. I currently have a book already out on Amazon. It is a, a ebook called War of the Wheels. It is the heart's fight to embrace the future. And I wrote that uh, little ebook uh, just kind of pouring out some revelations and in my heart concerning uh, my personal prayer questions to God because I feel like everybody wants to know their calling. Everybody wants to know their destiny. But a lot of times we cannot get the information we desire because we are so afraid of the unknown. And so the Lord gave me uh a few keys and a few tools that could use on our hearts to help bring our hearts out of fear and into total submission to the future. So that is War of the Wheels. It is out right now on Amazon as an ebook that you can get. But I have a new book that is coming out in just a few weeks and it is called Unsearchable. I am so excited about that book. It is going to be us beginning our journey uh, or continuing our journey for our podcast audience through the book of Ephesians and on Unlocking the unsearchable riches of Christ. I've been able to put a little bit more information in the book than I've had time to share on these podcasts, but I am excited about it because I believe anybody that reads that book is going to fall in love with their Redeemer. And if they don't already know the Redeemer, they're going to want to know him because Christianity is about more than having your sins forgiven. It's about more than having a ticket to heaven. It's about a love relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of love. Lords. It is about a love relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is about becoming a satellite of heaven on the earth. It is about becoming a replica of God on the planet. And so that is what the book is about. I am excited about it being released. It has been a, a journey for me, writing it, editing it, getting it together, making it presentable for you guys. And I cannot wait to release it. So be on the lookout for it. It is coming your way in just a few weeks. So I'm 
I'm excited about that. And you all get the first announcement about it because I'm still I haven't really said much on social media about it. So be on the lookout for that. I appreciate your support. Now, let's jump in the word of the Lord. So uh, over the past few weeks, we have walked through chapter one, chapter two and chapter three of the book of Ephesians. And we have concluded a section in the book of Ephesians and we're getting ready to start another one. Now, when you look at the overall a survey of the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters is the way Paul wrote every single book. I'm going to give you a tidbit on how to dissect and study any letter or any epistle that the apostle Paul wrote. All of his letters are in this format. They are all divided in two uh, sections. They're all divided in two sections. Now, if you go through various different books, there are other sections you're going to find in it, but even those uh, subsections are divided into two big main groups. And this is how Paul wrote. He starts the first part of all of his letters teaching doctrine, teaching revelation, giving you insight and giving you the the wisdom, the hidden wisdom of God. It is always if you start with the moments, you're going to get the first part. It's all about doctrine, revelation, hidden wisdom. You do it. Colossians, you start with doctrine, revelation, hidden wisdom. That is how Paul starts his letters. First and second Corinthians doctrine, revelation, hidden wisdom It's the first part of the book. By the time you reach the halfway mark, you're going to notice a switch or change. It's the halfway mark. Sometimes it's towards the end of the book. In Romans, you start, it switches once you get to Romans chapter 12. And what happens is the first part of the book is doctrine, revelation, hidden wisdom. The latter half of the book is always practical instructions for living out the revelation he just revealed. So that is what we're coming into in the book of Ephesians chapters one through three is all about the revelation of the gospel. It's the revelation of and the mystery of Christ. That is what we get in chapters one, two and three. We get the mystery of Christ unfolded for us as we move into chapter four, five and six. Paul is now going to give us the practical instructions on how to live out what he just revealed to us. Okay, so that is what we're moving into and that is what we're going to begin to uncover. So you're going to notice that now all of the teachings and insights uh, concerning the book of Ephesians are all going to have a practical bend to them because he's changing his tone from now being heavy revelation heavy to now being practical and then giving you the principles to live out, how you live it out. This is what you look like. All right. So this is the journey we're on. Now, let's go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter four. And we're going to start with verse one. We're going to cover verses one through three today. All right. Verse one says, I am using good old King James today. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. All right, let's do some work. I, therefore, Paul again addresses himself. I love to pay attention to how great men and women address themselves. I love it. I love it. Uh, something very simple uh, that my spiritual father uh, said while he was uh, ministering one day, he was talking about people talking about uh, him leaving a legacy and being so great. I think he is uh, the greatest preacher I've ever heard. But And, and people say these things to him and and give him accolades and and talk about how he's changing the world and making an impact on the world. But the, the thing that he said about himself is what struck my heart. And he said he never went out or sought to change the world. What he sought was to be obedient to God. And in his obedience to God, 
people saw the greatness and people's lives were changed and people's lives were altered and people's lives were rescued out of the pit. But he didn't seek to do those things. He sought to be obedient. And it was paying attention to that, what he said about himself, that gave me tremendous insight. It's the same way. When we read the Bible and we read these epistles from the apostles, pay attention to what they say about themselves because they're giving you insights and keys because they're giving you insights and keys on how they lived in victory, how they fulfilled their calling and how they lived a life well pleasing to the Lord. And Paul again addresses himself as a prisoner of the Lord. He doesn't remember in the beginning of chapter three, he said, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Verse four, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, he is under arrest. Paul understood. I'm not going to reteach this about being a prisoner, but I wanted to bring it back to the forefront of your mind that Paul is saying, I am one under arrest in the nation of Jesus Christ, that I am a citizen of this nation. I've been born into this nation. I have rights in this nation, but I am also one under arrest. And, and, and I'm not under arrest, uh, because I'm in chains and, and, and God has just been mean to me and he is lording over me, even though he is Lord, but I'm under arrest because I have something about Jesus has arrested and captured my attention and, and, and something about the Lord. I learned something new about him every day. That's why Paul prayed that I want you all to know what I know. I want you to know the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of it because it's so is multidimensional. And every time I get a new, fresh insight and revelation of who God is, I get under arrest. I'm under arrest. I wake up every morning. This is Paul talking. I wake up every morning under the arrest of the goodness of God. I go on these missionary journeys because I am under arrest of the goodness of God. I am laying down my life. I am fasting. I am being persecuted. I am being beat. I've been shipwrecked. I've had lashes. I've been left for dead a few times. But I do it all because every day when I wake up, I am still under arrest of the goodness of God. You know, we've got to start living our lives from that point, from that point out. I am under arrest of God. I am, I am arrested by his goodness. I'm arrested by his love. I'm arrested by his grace. I'm arrested by his kindness. And because I am under arrest, I am going to do these things. That's that's in essence what Paul is saying. He said, pay attention. I'm getting ready to give you some practical instructions, but I'm showing you, I'm about to teach you how I live my life as a prisoner. In essence, that's what Paul is saying. I'm getting ready to teach you how I live my life as a prisoner. So he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. I beseech you. He said, I am begging you all because I am a prisoner. I'm begging you. Man, that is just so amazing. He says, I'm begging you, begging you to live in a way that is worthy of the calling or the vocation wherewith you have been called. All right. So pay attention to that. Paul says, I'm begging you all to change your lifestyle. That's all he's saying. He said, I'm I'm begging you. To change your lifestyle. But what I want you to pay attention to is you're not changing your lifestyle to be called. You're changing your lifestyle because you are called. Right? Look at it again. It says, beseech you that ye walk worthy 
of the vocation wherewith you are called. He said, the whole reason why I want you to adjust how you live your life is because you have been called. Now, if you remember, we learned from Ephesians chapter 1 what the hope of our calling was, is that we have been called to this gospel. We have been called to this kingdom. We have been called to obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your calling is whatever it, however it manifests, whatever it looks like, however it unfolds for your life in particular, your general call, your call in its essence is to obtain the glory of God and reveal the glory of God in the earth. You are a God carrier. You are supposed to be revealing God in the earth. You're supposed to be revealing that glory that's what you're here for so whether you do it as a preacher whether you do it as a doctor whether you do it as a lawyer whether you do it as a firefighter whether you do it uh in whatever setting you find yourself in whether you do it as a truck driver wherever you are you have a calling to obtain glory and release glory to obtain glory and release glory and he said because that is your calling i've got to teach you how to live a life that is suitable for that type of calling, all right? I've got to teach you how to live a life that is suitable for that type of calling. So he's teaching us how to live the proper life, how to live the most suitable way we can so that we can obtain glory and release glory. Now watch this. He said, walk worthy, walk worthy of it. I want you to pay attention to that. Now, what I want us to pay attention to is that word worthy is to walk worthy it means to walk in a manner that is deserving or fitting or proper or suitable now watch this you are not working for your calling you are working and living in a way that brings honor to the fact that god has called you but the more but watch this you will not live honorably and you will not live worthily if you do not first grab a hold of why you are called, if you don't grab a hold of your calling, that is why Paul said in the book of Philippians, he said, I, I forget those things that are behind me. I press toward those, uh, things that are said before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Paul said that, but in the middle of that, there's a sentence that Paul says, and he says this, I am pursuing Christ or I am running after Christ because I want to know why I was apprehended. That's what Paul, actually, I want us to actually look at that because that's, that's got to be the starting point for us. I want us to look at Philippians chapter three and look at verse 12. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I am following hard after this because I want to apprehend the reason why Jesus apprehended me. There was a reason I was saved. There was a reason I was called. And he reveals to us in another epistle, the whole reason is glory. And so I know he apprehended me for glory. And Paul is saying, I want to live my life going after the glory. I want to go after the glory that Jesus came to give me. He came to restore glory to me. And I want it. I'm going to live my life going after it. And the more I begin to wrap my mind around, I'm supposed to be pursuing glory. I'm supposed to be obtaining glory. I'm supposed to be releasing glory. I Every day, 
Every time somebody comes in contact with me, they should come in contact with the glory of God. Somebody's life should be changed because they met me. Wisdom ought to be available because they met me because Jesus is wisdom. People ought to have hope when they meet me because Jesus is my hope. And so when they encounter me, they should encounter Jesus. And Paul says, I want you guys to walk worthy of this. I want you guys to live in a way that makes it easy for you to release glory. (laughs) That's what Paul is saying. I want you guys to live in a way that makes it easy for you to release glory. All right. So now let's go to second verse and we're going to learn. Paul is going to give us five things today. Five things that if you apply these five things to your life. It's going to make it easy for you to obtain glory and release glory. All right. So we're going to give those five practical things. Let's go to verse two. Uh, actually, let's flow into verse two. Go back to verse one. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you are worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering and forbearing one another in love. All right. So the first one is lowliness. I love the English standard version of that, which uh, gives a better interpretation of the word that it means humility, humility. So principle number one, practical step number one is that if you want to release glory, if you want to live in a way that makes it easy for you to be a glory receiver and a glory releaser, you've got to live life in humility. Now, the interesting thing about humility is that humility was never a word used during this time period. In a way that would have been appeasing or in a way that would have been uh, delightful that nobody wanted to walk in humility. As a matter of fact, whenever they used the word humility in this time frame, it was always a derogatory term. It was never meant to be something of great honor. It was only it wasn't until Jesus came on the scene and he began to produce disciples commission apostles, establish a church, and then call them to humility that it became a thing of honor. But it was not an honorable thing. Humility was not about honor because what is humility? All right. Let me give you humility. Humility is right self-assessment. Humility is right self-assessment. So watch this. If you are gifted in a certain way to deny that you are gifted is not right self-assessment. If you have a certain skill, if you have a certain ability, if you have a certain talent and you say, well, I'm being humble. Somebody uh, compliments your talent. Now, we all have to grow in this because I am including myself in this. I hope you all know I teach myself this stuff every week. (laughs) I'm not just teaching y'all. I'm teaching to myself. But when you talk about humility, which is why it is false humility to say anything that uh, is is belittling you, that makes you as if you aren't gifted or talented or have those abilities. That's not humility. Humility is right self-assessment. So humility is, yes, I'm talented. Yes, I have this gift. Yes, I have this skill. Yes, I have this ability. But humility says, even though I have this skill and ability, I am not more valuable than my brother. I am not more valuable than my sister. I am not better than anybody around me. Yes, I have an ability. Yes, I am skilled. Yes, I am good at that. Yes, I am great at what I do, but that does not place greater value on my personhood than anybody else around me. That That is the difference between pride and humility. Pride is will assess yourself 
and will take into account your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your skills, your anointings, your graces, all of that stuff. We're taking into account and then put greater value on your personhood than the person next to you. And that is not humility. Humility is, I yes, I have these gifts and abilities. Yes, I am indeed talented. But God has graced me with these things because I've been called to serve glory. I've been called to serve the glory of God to those that I encounter. I've been called to serve the glory of God to those that I meet every day. It is not because I am more important than you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to treat you as if you're more important than me. That is humility. Humility is right self-assessment. All right. So Paul said, hey, if you want to make it easy for you to receive glory and for you to release glory, you've got to live life in humility, which means you've got to be acquainted with yourself. Because here's another tidbit. You cannot walk in humility if you don't know yourself, because that means if you don't know yourself, you can never make a right assessment of yourself. So to live in condemnation is not living in humility. To live in guilt is not living in humility because there's no way for you to live in guilt, condemnation, shame, insecurity, and for you to be humble because you cannot make a right assessment of yourself because you're so full of shame. You're so full of guilt and condemnation. That's why Jesus always came and wanted to pull shame off of people. The woman caught in adultery. He said, hey, I want you to be humble, but I cannot get you to live in humility and I can't get you to get out of sin if I have you or leave you in shame and guilt and condemnation. I've got to take the shame away first. Mary Magdalene, you've had seven devils. And yes, you did. Yes, you had a messed up life. But I can't get you to be humble. I can't get you to serve me. I can't get you to be my first evangelist in the earth unless I first take the shame off of you. I've got to take the condemnation out of your heart. I've got to take the guilt away from you. I've got to get rid of those insecurities. And Jesus did such a beautiful job that this woman went from living in shame and guilt and inferiority and insecurities to now anointing his feet with oil and drying his feet with her hair in front of everybody and not caring why because she had been totally delivered from guilt shame condemnation and when she got delivered from that she was able to live humbly she was able to do an act of humility that Jesus said will be talked about everywhere the gospel is preached she was able to do that why she had a right assessment of herself yep I did mess up but this is what I do have This is what I am gifted in. This is what I do have this skill. And I'm going to use this for the glory of God. But it does not make me better. But it also doesn't cause me to live in shame or guilt or condemnation. So you've got to live in humility. Right assessment of yourself. All right. Number two. It says without loneliness or humility and meekness. I love again the English standard version. Because the the word for meekness here is better translated gentleness gentleness now the thing about gentleness is gentleness does not is not this uh mild person that's over in the corner timid and can't uh, hardly speak and and just so afraid and insecure that's not gentle the actual word and definition for gentle in the bible is a life distinguished with honor it is living a life distinguished with honor it is living honorably Living honorably to place honor to live in a way that is honorable. That is gentle. It is a disposition. 
a disposition to live your life in a mode that, you know what, I'm going to behave this way because it is the honorable way to behave. How it is though, it is the behavior of kings. It's the behavior of princes. It's the behavior of royalty is that I'm going to live life like royalty is being gentle. It is living life with honor. No, I don't do that because that's dishonorable. I don't carry myself that way because that's dishonorable. And you know, I don't uh, live and gossip and, and lie because that is dishonorable. That is not the behavior of kings. That is being gentle. That is been, it is living a life distinguished and marked by honor. All right. All right. Let's go to the next one because I got five minutes. I'm almost out of time. All right. Loneliness, loneliness, meekness with long suffering. All right. With long suffering. Practical thing number three is patience. It is patience. All right. So let me give you a definition of patience because I want us to have that. It is endurance of pain and unhappiness without complaining. It is the endurance of pain or unhappiness without complaining. See, you know, you have people that say, well, I'm being patient, but they complain the whole time. According to the Bible, that's not patience. Just because you waited does not mean you are patient. <laughs> just because you're waiting does not mean you're patient. If you're waiting, then you're just waiting. But to wait without complaining is patience. To wait without complaining and to endure, watch this, pain and unhappiness. Pain and unhappiness. So God doesn't promise us that painful things aren't going to happen. God doesn't promise us that we're not going to have moments of unhappiness. What God promises us is that he has given us the ability, he has given us the ability to live life without complaining. Imagine that. He's given us the ability, because that's patience. He's given us the ability to live life without complaining about anything. I don't care what it is. That's patience. Patience is I'm not going to complain. He said that is how people live who are living a life worthy of their calling. Worthy of their calling. All right. And look at the next thing. It says eager, uh, actually bearing with one another in love. So not only do you do life without complaining, this one says you're going to endure something unpleasant or difficult, whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault. But, but, but it's because your whole aim and goal is love. That's what bearing with one another in love is. It's because my end goal is love. I will endure. Painful situations, difficult situations, complicated situations. I'm not, we're not talking about abusive situations. We're just talking about life has problems. Relationships have, have difficulties, but I'm going to set out to endure because my end goal is to love you. So because my end goal is to love you, then I'm going to not keep a record of your wrong. I'm not going to rejoice so quickly when you get something right, wrong, but I'm going to rejoice very quickly when you get it right. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to hope in you. I'm going to be kind and I'm going to be patient and I'm going to uh, celebrate you and honor you. Why? Because my end goal is love. My end goal is love. Now, what I want us to see is that verse three, because this is what Paul wraps everything up. He said, I'm giving you these practical things of how to live your life worthy of the calling that God has called you. And God has called you to obtain glory and release glory. Okay. To obtain glory and release glory. 
But look at verse 3 here. He says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He said, I want to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, what I want you to pay attention to before I went out of time is this phrase, the bond of peace. That word bond there is it has the same uh, word as if you're talking about the connection based on kinship or marriage or family dynamic. That is the bond. So watch this. He said, I want you to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What is Paul saying? He's saying this family dynamic between the Godhead and the body of Christ is called a bond of peace. We are a, the family of God is a bond of peace. The reason why, if you go back to chapters, uh, two and chapters three of Ephesians, you learn where Paul talks about that the wall of, of, of separation of hostility was torn down and that we've been brought together in unity and peace. He says, now the whole point of the practical things I'm giving you is that I want you to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in this family. I want you to keep the family together. That's what Paul says. Paul is saying, hey, if you want to keep the family together, you got to walk in humility. You've got to walk in patience. You've got to walk in gentleness. And you've got to bear with one another in love. Now, keep in mind, before I let you go, all of these practical things are after Paul has been teaching us about the mystery of Christ. He's been teaching us about the gospel. He's been teaching us about redemption. He's been teaching us about what Jesus has done for us. And so when you get to chapter four, Paul is saying, because of what Jesus has done, because you are in the nation of Jesus Christ, because you have been infused with the power of the spirit of God, because Christ does dwell in your heart by faith, because you have the same power residing in on the inside of you that that rose that got Jesus out of the grave. You have that same power on the living on the inside of you. So in light of that, you have everything you need to walk in humility, to walk in gentleness, to walk in patience and to bear with one another in love. And he said, the more you become uh, accustomed to what you have been redeemed from and what you have been redeemed to and what the gospel has done for your life, the more you grab a hold of the mystery of Christ. He says, the more you're going to start living a life worthy of your vocation. And what does that look like? It means you live a life that sings praise to God. My life sings praises to God. Why? Because I walk in humility. And every time I walk in humility, my life is singing praise to him. Every time I bear with, with my brother and my sister in love, my life is singing praise to him. Every time I am patient, my life is singing praise to him. Every time I live honorably or I walk in gentleness, my life is singing praise to him. God, Paul is trying to tell us because of the wonderfulness of the gospel, we need to live a life that sings praise to God. We need to live a praise singing life every day. Your life should be singing praises to the Lord. It is how you walk worthy of the calling that you have been called to. All right. Well, guys, I'm out of time. I hope uh, you were blessed or encouraged. 
and enlightened today. And I hope I shared something with you to give you practical steps on how to begin to live out the power of this gospel, the power of this man called Jesus Christ who lives on the inside of you. Go back, listen to it again, take notes, uh, let it apply it to your life because the word, when the word comes in your heart, it gives you faith. When the word comes out in your life, it causes transformation. You've got to act on the word if you want to be transformed by it. So go out this week and act on the word of the Lord and let it continue to renew your mind, transform your life and alter your world. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to leave your reviews. And don't forget to be on the lookout in the next few weeks for my brand new book that's about to be released. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll see you all same place, same time next week. God bless.